Kalinowski, and joined by Dave Menjin and Chris Cook. Together, we discuss about what's going on domestically and internationally with the sport of wheelchair rugby. We like to reach out to each and every one of the athletes, the staff members, the coaches, the classifiers, and the referees out there listening. And we hope that you enjoy our show. Here's this week's episode. So this is Mike Klinowski uh, talking to you guys from behind the axle. I've got my friends here, Dave Menjin and Chris Cook. We're coming at you uh, a little bit quicker than we normally do because it turns out we have nothing going on right now because Nationals was canceled this year. So we have a little bit of free time and we are really, really lucky tonight to be joined by James Gumbert, uh, nicely known as Gumby to pretty much everyone in the league and um, if you don't know him, goodness, you, uh, you must have been under a rock for the last 10 years. So, Coach, we'd really like to, to hear from you right off the bat. You are given the opportunity to introduce yourself because most people should know everything about you. Tell us something that gives people a picture of who you are, uh, what you're about, and uh, where you came from. Well, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on uh, behind the axle. It's uh, something that uh, I, I've really appreciated what you guys have done and uh, kind of carved out your own little place. And I think it's important for the league and for the wheelchair rugby community at large because it, it adds so many different perspectives to who we are, and that's important. So uh, I am a... Time out. Does that mean you've listened? You listen to our stuff? I've listened to every one of them. Hey! In transparency, I've actually listened to every one of them. Uh, one of our 60 listeners. Yes, yes. <laughs> I thought you would have the metrics on that already sorted through. And so, the metrics on that already sorted through. And uh, But no, um, I am a former player slash wannabe USA development athlete slash coach and lover of the game. Uh, I started playing way back in 19-something. Uh, <laughs> I actually started in 1991, I think is when my first year was. And uh, fell in love with the game, was introduced to the game by Hall of Famer Stephen Scott, and... Uh, I never looked back from the first time that I went to a practice. Uh, but the first time I went to a practice, we were doing a warm-up, and I rolled over a ball in my everyday chair and flipped over. And <laughs> there was nobody there to pick us up. And so they had to literally go flag somebody down in the parking lot to come back in and help me get back up. And that that was like the first time that I'd flipped over since I've been in a wheelchair. And... When I got back up, I realized I was going to be okay and thought, man, this is the sport for me. This is this is uh, pretty cool. And since that moment, it's 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 been really fun. I've, I've had an incredible journey and lots of stories along the way. And many people that have come in and out of uh, my life, but every one of them have left an incredible impression of what, people can do uh, for and with each other and have a great time doing the playing sport. That's a heck of an intro, Coach. Thank you. Um, 
I want to I want to go back to like how you started <laughs> off. Like you were talking about how uh, you took a took a dip your first time out, but who are the most influential folks that were that helped you get started? You're talking about Stephen Scott that uh, introduced you to the sport. Who are the people that really changed you as a player, as a coach? Who did it for you? Well, early on, obviously, it was Stephen Scott. He uh, was such a uh, instru- instrumental in like not only uh, playing the game because he played and coached. Uh, with us the first few years, but he was really good in like showing not just me, but the the ragtag bunch that I grew up with uh, that just because you had limitations, it didn't necessarily mean that you couldn't go out and and contribute. And when I played, I was a I was a low pointer, and I was slow, and I wasn't good. You know, I was I was pretty bad, but. He encouraged me, and that encouragement really um, it, it made me want to go out and try. And so Steve was uh, one of the early influences in my life. And then second, I'd, I'd really have to point to Reggie Richner. Um, when I left Houston, and I played in Houston and lived in Austin and commuted back and forth, when... I did that. Uh, I was hungry already from the beginning to 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 be a better player, and uh, the commute was just too much. It's about 160 miles one way, and we were practicing three times a week. So, it yeah. after a couple seasons, it was it was a challenge, and so wound up just saying, you know, I'm going to go back and start something in Austin. And when I started something in Austin. Uh, the, the person that I reached out to was Reggie and Reggie was so, uh, cool. I mean, he didn't have to, and he really, really, uh, took the time and, you know, said, look, you know, try this. You know, I, I can recall sitting in a hotel room in, in Birmingham and calling Reggie and saying, man, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And he says, "Hold on, you know." And he talked me through it, and you know, um, it was it was just having a, somebody that would listen and give guidance where it was needed. But he was um, he was really instrumental. Um, I, I say I say this without uh, any hesitation that Kevin Orr was uh, was a big influence in in my development, uh, especially from a coaching side. Uh, he took me on to the, the international coaching side in 1999, and I mean, he was uh, he was great. He he let me be an assistant coach and and just really did a great job of I don't know what the word for it is, uh, protecting me, shielding me from all the headaches, all the things that happen when you're a head coach and just let me develop and, and be able to um, round the edges off of, you know, those sharp corners that I was just trying to learn through. And he did a really good job in doing that and just um, ultimate respect for him. And um, I, I say this, the reason why I probably got into this silly sport was because of Wendy, uh, my cousin, 
and uh, she says that, that she's the reason why I got into wheelchair rugby, and I say that uh, I'm the reason why she got into ad adaptive sport, but um, I probably would not have got into wheelchair rugby if I hadn't um, had her pushing me along as well. And then finally, uh, one of the guys that, that really had a big influence on me was uh, Terry Vineyard. Um, early on, man, I really wanted to be, you know, he was like, uh, I mean, he was like Pat Riley. He was, <laughs> I wanted to be like him, you know, it was like everything that he seemed to touch uh, worked. And so a lot of stuff that I did early on was just, you know, imitating greatness. And um, so he was, he was a big influence, whether I ever, I don't think I ever got to sit in a room and just exchange ideas with him about like, what would you do here and how would you do this? But so much of where I started was just mimicking his stuff. And so those were my big influences as far as, you know, off the court and had big impacts on me. Coach, uh, I can't call you Coach. i got to call you Gumby. Sorry, I've known you way too long. That's all right. I, I remember us playing against each other in 91 when we started. Reggie happened to be my coach at the time, Placilla. And I believe, was that the Dallas sidekick then, or was it a different name? We were actually, when we first started, our first invention was called the Austin Renegades. Okay. And uh, I, I, I recall playing, uh, I think you guys had two teams. You had one with Terry uh, and one with Steve on it. If I'm if I remember right. Hanson? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so that was, 95 was when we had two teams. Prior to that, we were one team. Okay. But uh, what I was going to ask you is, was Abu the coach back then at all, or was he already done? With the Dallas well, he was side. already done. He had okay. actually, you're talking about the Dallas sidekicks. And so that oh. Steve was actually playing up there and then he lived in Austin. And so he, he kind of got that. That's a 200 mile commute too. And so he kind of uh, started that first team while he was playing for the other team. Well, I'll just say this, that team was Steve Scott and Dwight Goodman. And uh, I cannot recall all the rest of the guys, but those two guys, that's as good of a one-two punch as there was in early rugby. They were just, they were solid. And yeah. White, White got hurt, and then Steve was on his own, and that, you know, he, he had some support, but not like he had when he had Dwight. No. In any, I, I remember those early days, traveling to Texas, going to the Andy Beck tournament every year, and there was always the best talent of, you know, from the whole nation was there, and sometimes international until Terry Vineyard started doing the top end tournament. And then that kind of took over and the best talent was there or at, of course, San Diego, best of the West. But in those early days, I remember, you know, playing against you and, you know, we were both low pointers and, you know, here we are 30 years later. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, life has a funny way of, uh, I, I was watching, uh, Frozen 2 with my daughter. <laughs> and, yeah, I know. And uh, the, 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 the key line is is that water remembers that I huh. took away from that. And, you know, it's it's funny that uh, 
rugby remembers in similar ways. You know, you could be 30 years away from each other and you're recalling moments and stories and memories like they happened yesterday. So, so coach, I got a question for you talking about memories. What is your happiest memory about rugby? And what is the moment that you just wish you could forget, but you can't let go of? Uh, great memories, obviously, uh, you know, for me, it has, there's there's so many on this journey. Um, each team is special, you know, and I look at a lot of what my work has been done, has been as a coach. So many of my memories were uh, as a coach that I look at. Um, the, the one one really big memory that stands out was as an athlete was when I was selected for, uh, I guess it, it would be our development team, our force team, or whatever you want to call it back in 1997. And uh, we went to Australia and New Zealand and competed in both their national championships and we won it. Uh, and I mean, that was, that was pretty big. I mean, we, we had a team that had Zupan, and Willard Brooks and Chad Farrington and uh, Neil Gustafson and ah. a host of others. Uh, and I mean, we were really just kind of thrown together and I think we maybe only had one training camp. And we went over and we played. I mean, my first international experience was I played against Brad Huberly. And so, uh, I mean, there's lots of pictures that are floating out there of, of Brad and I playing against each other and it's it's you know again rugby remembers and uh, now we coach against each other and so it's uh that's one of my favorite as a player as a coach uh man it's it's the the 2016 uh winning world championships was huge because that was our first really big test um for me as a head coach and, you know, it was to go in and play everybody and beat them and then in the championship to play a perfect game. We had no turnovers. We had all first and last goals. And the, the only thing that we, 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 we didn't get, we had one jump against us. But, I mean, that was as close to a perfect game as I've ever coached. And uh, that, was, that was pretty special. And then um, – 2008 was special because it was our first. I ask you, you said you had a perfect game and you had at each quarter you scored last goal? Yes, sir. Do you remember how many turnovers they had? Uh, maybe. If you figure well, this out, it'd be the differential of the final score plus three, right? Maybe it's plus 12. I mean, nice. I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm just guessing on that, but it, it was really, I mean, it was, it was so good because those guys came out and that was really the first time that we had an opportunity to go and um, get back on the court against the rest of the world since 2004 in Athens. And that was huge for us. I mean, uh, we played a qualifier in 2005 in Brazil, but I mean, you know, it wasn't the same as playing everybody in the world. And to be able to go to New Zealand and do that really set the stage for 2008 when we uh, had all the success in Beijing. And that was that's a huge moment as well. So, and, and the number one lineup on that team was? 
on 2008? Yeah. Uh, three, two, two, one. Can you tell us who there? Oh, yeah. Zupan, uh, Zupan, Brian, yeah. Andy, and take your pick on the one, Scott or, or Norm. Wow. So there's a second part of this question, and this sure. is the harder part, is like, what's the moment that you wish you could forget? Or change. A lot of them. There's a lot of them, too. But uh, <laughs> uh, I would say that is, you know, as painful as a lot of memories are, um, the, the, the one that stands out for me, um, because I've always thought that our our international side has been well prepared. I mean, our USA side has always been pretty pretty well prepared. One of the most frustrating things, I guess, is you know what I w wish I had back, and um, is if I was to look at it, probably in 2012 when we played uh, in London, and I think the crossover was against Canada and we just had a, um, just had a really, really rough go of it. And we were, we were doing a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, were uncharacteristic of us. And we, we got into a close match at the very end and, you know, um, in those moments, anything can happen. And we, we had a couple of mistakes that we just couldn't recover from. And, that game uh, was was frustrating from me, for, from just from me because I thought we were a better team uh, on the day. And I mean, but I've, I've since come to learn that anytime you play somebody that I mean, uh, and they're playing nuts, it's uh, it's the it's a gold medal game for them. And we can't look past them to look, you know, to the next game and. Uh, so I, that would be one of my most frustrating games. I was in the crowd for that game, uh, and to and to see what happened in the first quarter, and the and then to watch the team claw their way back. Yeah. You know, I remember at the end of the first quarter saying they got to pick up Nine. two or three goals a quarter to be Nine. able to get back into this, right? Yeah. So and sure enough, ended up tying it up in the fourth. Um, it was it was pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, I mean, so that's what I'm very proud of the team and how they fought and everything. I just uncharacteristic of us. We just had that 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 one bad game, and uh, you know, it uh, it's it got us. And uh, I, I was I, I take losses bad. I do, but I I take them bad because it it, it sucks for the athlete. And uh, I mean, you grow and you have relationships with these these guys and gals, and uh, they become a, lar a large part of, of an extended family. You, you don't want to let each other down, and when they hurt, uh, it hurts pretty bad. So, and I have a question regarding that game. I was actually in Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut, and we were broadcasting uh, just... For NBC, right? Yeah. yeah. We were doing the next day. What they were doing was they were buying a feed from London. They were buying their the British feed, and then they brought me and another gentleman in. I think his name was. It's a uh, I cannot recall. So anyway, 
they brought us in. I taught him rugby. He was the play-by-play guy, and I was the color commentator. And so we had no feed. We couldn't watch that game live. And I was getting something coming in on the computer about every – frankly, I was in the gym. I was working out, and I kept checking my phone and checking. And the first score I saw was 7-1 to Canada. And I went, what the hell? That must be backwards. Because I was in Columbia the year before when you guys hammered Canada with what what I thought was the same lineup. And then come to find out the next day when we got the tape that it was a totally different starting lineup. I'm just curious, is there some thought process that went into that? Why did that team start with, I want to say it was Chuck, Derek, Andy and Scott, is that right? Uh, might have been Will. Will, okay. It might have been Andy or it might have been Will. It's one of the two. It's either Andy or Will. Um, so, a thought to that because I've heard from a couple people that said we hadn't practiced that lineup prior to that. We were all surprised. Yeah. Well, one of the things that if you, I mean, and most people that kind of study me, is is that we we really. Um, we we like to be unpredictable. We don't like to be the same team any time that we go out. We want people to have to prepare for uh, for everything, to be honest with you. And uh, so in that summer, one of the things that we had really worked hard on was we know we knew Aoki was a known commodity, and uh, obviously Scott was you know was solid as as. as um, he always has been, and then, uh, but looking forward, the uh, with the line that we started with is that we knew that Aoki and that um, Chad was was solid in that line, and then looking beyond that, we had worked our twos uh, all season, you know, because they were they were the strength of our team. We've never been the team that had the one guy or the two guys like Bond and Bat and everything. We had, we've had moments over time where we've had somebody briefly, but it just not the ongoing dominant um, type of play like that. So we've always looked like, you know, uh, the twos were our, our class. And so I felt very strongly and, uh, you know, talking with our assistant coaches back then, we felt very comfortable with, you know, the twos that we, we had been working throughout the summer that we could move any one of them into that position. And we thought Derek gave us a little bit more on defense um, because his side to side was really good and his ability to pass out of out of trouble was really good. And then we thought that we could put either either Will in for his speed or his deep inbound or Andy for, you know, kind of directing traffic and making sure everybody was on point. We, we felt very strong with that. And, um, you know, to their, to Canada's credit, um, you know, they, they were ready. I mean, you can see that they were ready and we were in a position where we had to be able to come out and fight our way through that. And, uh, you know, it took us, took us the better part of, um, four quarters to get back. And, you know, when it came down to the end, we weren't able to, we weren't able to get it. And so, Gumby, yeah. I have to say, I'm pretty sure I remember this very, very succinctly. Is that was you guys tied the game at 30 minutes, 
like 30 minutes and 10 seconds or something like that. And because I was getting these feeds while I was in Connecticut and, and I thought, oh my God, they're all the way back. And then it didn't happen. Or we all know what happened. And, you know, we end up winning the Bronx. But can you describe the last couple of minutes or that, or, you know, because that game was intense. Well, I mean, you know, we just said, okay, we're, we're here. We've got to right the ship. So we, I mean, we always kind of look at how we approach a game and um, we break it down into like four minutes or two minutes or, you know, whatever we're in a position that we're looking at runs. And so um, obviously we felt like we were going to have to climb back in and it was going to take a heroic effort. And, you know, so we, we, we went with uh, some of our better lines early and ran them hard as opposed to like maybe running like the deuces in a situation where we may not have run them earlier. And uh, uh, so we leaned heavy on Aoki um, throughout that game. And I mean, the thing about Chuck is, is he's never going to tell you that, uh, you know, when he's tired or when he's not, he's a warrior. Right? Uh, so, and, and the same for everybody on, every team that we've ever had they have that mentality it's like you know don't take me out you know I, i'm here to i'm gonna we're gonna win and i'm gonna help us and you love that as a coach you you want everybody fighting for that uh one second on the court and i get that and uh so um i, I think the the some of the moments that happened was by halftime we had, we got back within maybe three or four I think and, it was you know, yeah, and so it was it was manageable, and so we were able to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna win the first, we're gonna win the first goal, and we're gonna get last goal here. We're not gonna have any turnovers, and we're two points out. You know, I mean, just those kind of self talk moments, and the thing that we work on hard as a as a team is is playing from behind. We when we play, we play from behind. We don't always play like, hey, you're five up. Uh, we play like we're down, and so um, that's you know we're 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 training like that so that we when when those moments happen, um, you know we don't run away from it we run to it and um, so we put ourselves in a position to win it and it's the last uh, minute thirty minute thirty two seconds to be probably exact and um, we get. We have possession, and I think that they get a they get a turnover us, or they get a jump on us, and we immediately reach on them, and we go to the penalty box. And I mean, I, I think after all that fighting, um, man, it just the air left us, and so we were we were in a tough spot because Canada, at you know, they were just they're they're really well coached on, you know, working the last goal. And uh, I believe Garrett was on the court. and Garrett can handle the loss as well. And uh, he did a, a really good job of just, you know, taking the clock down and um, managing clock and uh, put themselves in a position to eventually win it. And But, uh, man, I, I just remember the, the, the thing that I take away from that game is, is that I just remember – looking into the eyes of everyone and i mean just how shattered they were 
and uh, it was it was just a totally empty feeling. And uh, if I could take a moment away, that would be a moment right there. Took it out on Canada when they saw him again at uh, at the Zonals in Lakeshore. Yes, sir, we did. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anybody run up that many points on on a top ranked team. I mean, it was a it was unbelievable. I, that was thirteen, right? Or was it fourteen? I'm sorry, say it was thirteen. It was 2013, correct? That's yeah, it was correct. the next. Yeah, yeah, we 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 hosted at uh, Lakeshore, and uh, they just they came or we came out on fire, and I mean I don't know, I mean crazy. I don't think they got over half court for a while. I mean a good while. Uh, the first I think you put was, up eighty points, eighty plus points. <laughs> it was it was it was it was a really uh, strong statement, and you know it was. Uh, I wish we'd have had that game back, but that's that's how it happened. So, Coach, I have a question for you. So, sure. I was lucky enough to come down as the USQRA rep uh, when you guys were uh, when you guys were getting last time getting ready last time around. Um, this actually, it was two times ago. You have a bit of a reputation around the league as. Someone who is is tough, scary, is someone who sometimes is is as the reason why people didn't get their you know their Olympic dreams met. So I met someone different. I met someone who really does care about his players, and what you're telling me right here is is pretty much the same. That you look into their eyes and and you feel what they feel. Do you think that's something that you started off with, or is it something that came with more experience? Do you think that if you were only coached for four years versus your your tenure now, that um, you would have had the same change in development as an individual from being a, a rookie coach to being someone who really empathizes with his players? Yeah, that's a great question, Micah. I... I have changed uh, since the first time I tried to coach uh, to now. And, you know, the, the thing that I would say that's helped me to change are, are the athletes. You know, when we first uh, took over in 2005, we kind of were looking to put in our own system. And many of the athletes that I had on that team were contemporaries. I mean, I played with Zupan. I played with Scott. I played with Norm. I played with... Andy, I mean, I played with those guys, and so um, they were my friends. And probably starting in '09, uh, we start to see people that you know I never played against, or or knew Aoki, you know, and um, Joe and Chad, and those types of fellows coming into the mix. And one of the things that I always uh, tell people is, is like, if I, I don't read very much about what people say about me because it's okay. I sleep okay at night. Uh, and But the other part of it is, is like, if you play for me, the one thing you, uh, hopefully you see is that there is, I will do nothing. There's nothing that I won't do uh, for you. I mean, I will do everything in my power to give us the, the tools and the 
um, you know, the edges that we need to go out and be the best team that we can be on and off the court. And for me, that's that's been something that if, you know, you've played for me, uh, you'll hopefully you see that. And uh, the other thing is, is that the athletes have been able to teach me is, is like, once you've got your culture established is to be able to, to step back and, and, and trust what you what you have. You know, as, as we've been developing um, Team USA, it's an ongoing um, journey with these guys because uh, we're not a team that stays with the same 12 guys and gals. We're, uh, you know, we, we pick the best team. And sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a big segment of those guys and sometimes it's not. Uh, but we've always picked the best uh, group of athletes that's going to help us win. And that was the formula that we used. And, um, you know, we've, we've left some we've left some great people at home that could go play for anybody in this world. And it's tough. And uh, I get that. The, the other part is, is like we've, we've taken some young people that were very raw. And they have turned out to be diamonds. And, you know, so it's as a, as a coach, you know, is trusting those around you and trusting yourself that, you know, you have a plan of where you want to go and um, surrounding yourself with great people. Holy cow. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate at this point. I'm surrounded by the best staff in the world. And take that and you couple that around with the best 16 athletes in the world and you know things get a little bit easier <laughs> so uh, but I, I, I appreciate that i appreciate that question mike and i would just say that yes i've, I've definitely changed as a coach uh the, the desire is still there the every time we go on the court i love it i love it uh, and uh, i i've learned how to uh, better express myself what it is that our needs are, and, um, you know, it's uh, maturity, for lack of a better word, just maturity. So, get old, <laughs> wiser. I have a question regarding selection. So, sure. you've been doing since what, two thousand five, right? I've and been doing I've been doing selection since ninety nine. Okay. Wow. So, time. I'll just throw this out there. So. Back in the way back days, all you had to do Team USA was do well at national and then get spotted and get invited to the crowd. It was about two months later and be in shape and show up. And if you made the team, top 12, top 14 maybe at that time, two alternates, you're in for that year. Now, uh, tell me about how it works. Tell me about how it has evolved and how... Team USA, um, it's year-round, and, and can you talk about that? Sure. One of the things that I did early on that I knew I needed to do was when we started in 2005, it was it was obvious that we needed to uh, identify some new talent. We'd just come off of 2004, and so being able to put people that you trusted in key places so they could help you uh, when they saw players 
outside of nationals. And that's a great read on that, Chris, because we put Ed, uh, Ed Sir was uh, my first assistant coach, and man, what a guy, what a dude. And one of the greats of all time for our sport. But Ed was such a great uh, evaluator of talent for us. And uh, so he got to see everything on the West Coast. And then, you know, we had uh, our, we, our home base was in the Midwest at Lakeshore at that point. So we had our, our team leader that was based out of there who had just come off of uh, working for uh, the team leader for basketball. So understood all about, you know, sport and could say, like, this person's a baller or this, you know, this person's not. And then being able to look over and see somebody like Rudy uh, on the West Coast, or on the East Coast, sorry, and be able to reach out to Rudy and say, hey, have you seen a player, you know, that's playing for uh, EPVA or, you know, whoever it was back in that time? And so we covered the entire country in the sections and could be able to say, okay, there's a, you know, there's this raw low pointer in, uh, and you need to see him, you know, and it's like, okay, well, can you give me some, video of them. So we were able to start building our own little database of people pretty quickly. And for us, that was invaluable. And, um, but what we, we we did with that was, is that we started refining, uh, the selection procedures that we'd had in the past. And, uh, what we wanted to do was to have a pool of athletes and have a team that was, you know, like training elite, if you will. And those elite athletes, if we did it right, we wanted to be able to have them playing. But the next generation, if you will, the force behind stuff would would uh, train right alongside them. And if we ever needed to call somebody up, it would be like they knew the plays. They knew the, um, you know, they knew the lingo. And so... You know, always financial resources are, are critical. And uh, Chris, a lot of these guys don't remember the times where me and you had to pay to play. And uh, it's a totally different world back then. But uh, a lot of these guys, you know, were just in a position where uh, after resources ran out that we could uh, get them out on the court from from the USA standpoint, uh, we, we had to reinvent it again. And so what we started honing out of that was it's like if we could put 20 to 18 athletes together and from that have them training and doing what we talked about, we might be able to say this would be our pool of athletes that we will consistently pick 12 from. And so at a tryout, it it's we we brought it down to, to 16 and from those 16 every I mean every tournament that we go to uh, we pick we 12 it's not always the same 12 it's, there's a there's a selection for the selection of the, the, the 12 but what we try to do is judge each of them based on uh, I think we're up to 20 uh, bits and pieces of criteria and from that, we, we get an overall view of what that athlete is. And depending on what we're trying to achieve for, for that event, 
um, you know, we may take it an emerging athlete as opposed to like a veteran athlete that's been there for eight years and may benefit from tournament off. Not that we don't, you know, know that that athlete, he's a known commodity or she's a known commodity. It's time that we can use, that we can put that emerging athlete up and make the, the team even better by developing that athlete. So those are some of the kind of matrix behind it. Well, here's another spot up then. Uh, 2016, yeah. uh, hindsight is 2020, but uh, it seemed to be from the outsider, like me, that there was a huge, um, a huge trying to find function to match function, perhaps Australia, other teams like that, but trying to find more functions seemed to be uh, a criterion. Would, would you say that was true? Absolutely. Is it still true? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've never really beat anybody with, like, one person. We really haven't. It's, it's always been the team that's won. For us and so when we pick somebody you 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 may not be the person that uh that you know is um called out first but you've got to be able to do something to be able to help us win and uh you know there there have been athletes over the years that i mean the the thing that they did great was they threw the ball further than anybody else could and we looked at that and said you know what uh, we're at number 12 and this is an emerging athlete and you know what a chance to develop that athlete and he has a skill set that we can use and uh, you know to take that that type of an athlete and put him in a big game moment and see them perform and I, it, it actually happened I mean it was an athlete that uh, threw the ball from half court against GB at a North American Cup and uh, with two seconds on the clock, and we won the game. That's Wheeler? Nope. Oh, okay. Oh, that's really Chad Sumner. Oh. oh. You know what? I'm the Olympics when Wheeler did that. Go on. Yeah. Yeah, that was so that was against Japan. Yeah, yeah. Wheeler's Wheeler's pass was against Japan. So um, that was but, crazy. Yeah, it's uh. <laughs> so what we. When you're looking at your 12 and what you're going to do, we, we've just always been about the sum. And uh, for us, that's that's the part that the guys and gals buy into is this, we know that it's not going to be one person that uh, wins game one or game two or game three. It's going to be all of us that gets us to where we want to go. And um, whether it's one second or, you know, 32, um, we're, good, we're there for each other, and we support each other. So I I want to go to 2016, and obviously the, the gold medal match was one of the most phenomenal games that probably anyone has seen in, in modern times. And I know we were on the losing end of that game, but I could watch that game again and again and still hold my breath uh, through double overtime. Like, what were you thinking as as the final seconds were ticking down before we went to overtime, uh, the second overtime? 
What were you telling guys on the court? Um, take us back. Win the game. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, every, every break was like, we're going to win this game, win the game, win the game. And, uh, you know, the, the challenge for, for everybody was, uh, not that, that we, you know, they, they didn't believe that. Uh, the challenge was, is like, you know, um, for some of those guys, it was a huge stage, you know, uh, we played in, over 10,000 people. I'll just say that. I don't remember what the capacity was, but over 10,000 people. And we're used to playing in front of a hundred if we're lucky and we roll out and it's, it is rocking. It is loud. Uh, nobody can hear anything, you know, and in those moments you hope that, uh, all the things that you've worked on and, you know, you've learned along the way, um, will will fall into place and i mean geez louise we had opportunities what people don't always remember about that game there's only four turnovers in that game wow four and i mean uh it, it was a great game it's one of the best games i've ever seen and we didn't win um uh, we certainly had an opportunity to win um and um you know I talk to Brad every now and then, and uh, it's one of our uh, conversation pieces to this day. Is like you remember when, you know. And uh, but it's it's a great game. It's uh, it, but I think the things that I, I say earlier is is that in that game you saw, um, I mean, you saw twelve athletes. Uh, busting their ass for each other. And we played all 12. I mean, everybody was, you know, in it to, to help and do stuff. And the function that Chris mentioned earlier was something that, you know, here was guys that, man, I would have loved to had, you know, two more years under their belts. But I mean, they went out and played their hearts out, you know, Corey and Brewer and, they played their hearts out, you know, they, uh, and so many bumps along the way to get there. And at the end, it was just, uh, it was back and forth. And, um, you know, I, it was a tough game. It was a challenging game at the end. And I just remember at the end, you know, it was, um, we had our chances and we just didn't finish it the way we wanted it. But, um, I, I truly don't know that given the firepower that we, you know, we bonded back, we're just, um, they were, they were, and they are, I mean, they're, they're both incredible athletes and, uh, um, you know, they've, they've done everything that could be asked for to help their country. And, um, you know, they've been on the, on the podium for a while and, uh, we thought we had their number that day, and uh, we didn't. So, I'm curious. The that game, so low turnover, great game, right? Then you go look at World Championships in in Sydney, and that championship game, I don't know that I've ever seen that many turnovers in a game. It was a crazy, it was back and forth, back and forth. People giving up the ball. 
did you learn something? Did you take something away from what Japan did versus Australia that is something that you can use when you meet up with them again at uh, the Paralympics next time? I hope so. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, not something you really want to talk about right now. Uh, that's, I mean, well, you know, it's uh, it's just different styles of play, in, in honesty. Sure. I mean, they play a different game than we do. And, you know, so many times you, you talk about matchups and different things. And for us, um, we, we've always done more with less. And we've always um, had to rely on tactics and rely on, you know, getting, the mo- getting more from an athlete that, uh, you know, um, you, you look around the, the world in so many places of, uh, Class twos have, you know, it's been a sport that's really seen change in that class. I mean, because in 2008, we had, I mean, easily the top eight twos in the world, uh, minus maybe one other one that I can think of really quick. But, I mean, we we had so many good twos, and as the game has changed and, uh, it's it's gone more to a wheelchair rugby brand. Those that class is, you know, they've had to pick their their game up considerably um, to to be able to go out and contribute the like they did in the early days. So with the four deuce lineup, and of course, you know, you had backup. Was that the best lineup you've had, Team USA, in your years of coaching? Like four Cliffies or four Goldies, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that it was in its time in 2006 through 2008. It was it was a really special line. Um, I, I, I fall in, I fall into a place where you know, looking at the talent where that we have really dictates what you know has been the the best line or i mean i I look back at the lines that we had with like um steve pate in 2006 and you know putting steve out there with two twos and uh rieger and then i look at you know joel wilmoth with two twos and, and and rieger and you know those were those were dominant lines and then um you look at lines that like uh, Zupan was, I mean, back in his day, Zupan was, uh, he was, he was very dominant, but he was, he wasn't like that flash. I mean, he wasn't the fastest three in the world, but he was smart. He was able to pass with, with both arms, you know, and get out of trouble and, uh, kind of control the situation. And so, uh, three, two, two, one with him was great. But I mean, I, I, I would say that, over the, the the past easily ten years, um, Aoki lines have just been um, they've just been special, and I, I say that because I in watching him, he's had so much longevity, and he has constantly reinvented himself. You know, when he needed to be dominant, he was uh, you know he could put the the team on his uh, is back and carrying him, and then when he was he, you know, when he could uh, hand off or 
you know, compliment somebody else, whether it be, you know, um, a Corey, for example, when he, he had that opportunity, he was the first to be able to, to do that. So, I mean, all those lines that you, you know, you'd see with like Aoki in them, he, he's really set the standard and they're, they've been pretty special the past 10 years. So I, I, I I'd answer it that way. I don't know if that helps, but yeah. <laughs> so about that. you dropped more names tonight in a positive <laughs> light. It's been awesome. I, everybody's good. Well, they are, I, obviously. I'd be the smart on them. But no, everybody you've talked about has, you know, well, they're, they're all international players, so they should be that good. Want to say anything bad about anybody? <laughs> so here's the deal, man. In, in today's world, uh, I, I've known I've, uh, I've uh, frustrated people over time, and I've known I've, um, I've probably pissed some people off. Um, forgive me, Lord, but I I look at this as this is this is our sport, and um, I don't. It, it's not a personal thing. Um, it's what we are going through should remind everyone, you know, just how lucky we are. That considering a lot of us who uh, have been injured or you know, going through sickness or illness and, you know, get the chance to go out and play a sport. And we've been told what we can't do in our sport. It has always shown us what you can do. And, uh, you know, that's pretty special. And I think the moment we lose sight of that and start, um, you know, pointing fingers and doing everything like that at the end of the day, uh, we're, you know, what are we doing? Because um, this journey has been incredible. And uh, we, I mean, it's its not done. Um, the balls, the court, the cones will all be there once we get, you know, all this stuff solved in the world. But it's its special. I mean, the, the relationships that you have, uh, both on and off the court, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I've called more friends in other countries than I have in um, years, and all of them have been rugby, you know, and being able to reach across uh, the way and say, hey, you know, um, hope you're all right, how you doing, and um, that's, that kind of speaks to, for me, the, the journey that we've been on, and uh, we, can, we can fight for the same thing on the court. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're all trying to fight to do the same thing, and that's just go out and uh, live. You know, on that note, I will say this. We had Matt Lewis with our team this year, and he was at my house when, well, well, on and off for two months. But when all of this came down with the coronavirus, he was here, and he was talking with at home, and he was finding out that when he got back, of course, he had to leave early. There was no national. And we had a flexible ticket for him, thank goodness. But he left early, and he went home to be, again, sheltered for 14 days before they would get back into society. And, and you realize it's, it's, it's a worldwide thing. And rugby, you know, we are, 
if you will, where a little pimple on somebody's ass. We're, we're, we're nothing in the bigger scheme of the whole world. However, this is our world, and this is what we do. And I'm very grateful every day for it. And it's, it's been a 32-year journey for me so far, and I, I, I want to do it forever. It, it's really, really fun, and I'm passionate about it still, and I know you guys are too, and I think we're very fortunate. That's true. It's good words, and um, end of day, I mean, um, man, look at where you started and now turn around, and right. I mean, see how far you've come, and see how many lives that you've uh, been able to touch, and um, I mean, we, we've all said in that practice where the new guy or new girl comes rolling through the, the door, and uh, for a lot of us that or old timers, uh, it's like looking in the mirror, you know, and to to remember that moment and know that uh, what what a ride you're about to go on and how your life is going to change and, and how it's going to change because it's uh, a positive thing. And uh, that's pretty cool. Indeed. I got to ask we you a question. How much longer do you want to do this, Jambi? <laughs> Tonight? We could talk all no. night, honestly. I think I, he meant coaching. Ed Honcho, how much longer do you want to do this? I don't, you know, um, I always say that uh, we'll talk afterwards. And so this is really a different year. I mean, obviously. And, um, you know, I, I, it really makes you stop and appreciate what you have. And, you know, for me, uh, my family is, is so important. My rugby family is important. Um, my home family is even more important to me. And uh, I have enjoyed being a superintendent, principal slash teacher more than I thought I would over the past three weeks. And uh, thankfully, nobody's gotten expelled. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 been very revealing. How much, uh, how much I've missed because just being on the road and grinding like we do, uh, whether it's club or, or international ball. But it's, it's something that uh, I think a lot more about than I ever have. And um, when I say think more about it, it's like, am I done? And it's like, uh, obviously, we, we, have, uh, we have work to do between now and uh, 2021 and we're going to finish that and we're going to uh, be the best team that we can be but after that we'll stop and uh, see where we're at at that point but it's 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 been an incredible journey and whether I coach or I don't coach uh, I'm man that this sport has, has given me so much that I don't I really don't think I could give enough back to it to you know to to even call it fair it's uh, it's just done so much for me. So, so coach, we've we've heard a lot about like your journey through through your life in rugby, and where you've come from, uh, the good moments, the bad moments, and what you're grateful for at the end of it all. And honestly, I can't think of a better note to end on than talking about. Our, our rugby family and how much it means to us at a moment like this when we were supposed to all be together 
you know, the, the one time where the best of the best come together and brothers and sisters face off for three days and still come away with great memories, uh, kind thoughts of each other. And, but I, I really want to thank you for, for opening up and, and sharing your life and your experiences and your thought processes uh, with us and, and the wheelchair rugby world in, in America. And we actually get heard by people in other countries, like one or two, but uh, <laughs> then we find out that there's people across the world that we we have a relationship with now because they've shared this with us and they've they've had a moment with you, one of the the great coaches of of a great team of a great country, and you've let us in, and I really appreciate that. I know that uh, Chris and Dave appreciate that, and absolutely, you've been. Uh, very generous with your time. So I think it's time that we wrap it up, but thank you so much, coach. It's been a gosh darn pleasure. And uh, hopefully we, we get to do this again as we get closer to Tokyo, uh, talking about a team that is uh, maybe inspire a whole new uh, generation of, of athletes that will see what you guys are doing and realize that they can do it too. And, um, we're, we're glad you're there doing your thing, grinding it out. So much appreciation, Coach. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. And um, I, the thing I just say on my end is, is like, um, please, everybody, take care of yourselves. And even more so, take care of those that uh, allow us to go out and do this sport. Because um, in times like these, uh, I said it earlier, the balls, the cones, the the court will all be there, uh, but um, they mean nothing if you're not there. And uh, all the rivalries, all the camaraderie, everything else uh, won't be the same if you're not there. And if we can uh, hold it together, um, take care of each other, uh, we'll get together soon enough. And um, but that uh, it's an important message. Is just. Take care of yourself. Listen to what people are telling you to do, and this will be past us, and we can move forward. You know, I want to take just a moment. First of all, to thank you, Gumby. This was this was special, and I, I appreciate your time and your uh, your your answers and your thoughtfulness and so forth. I also want to thank Dave and Mike. They are board members, and they had to make a very difficult decision this year. And at first, I was. I'll tell you, I was against it. I was like, come on, let's play ball. And then a few days passed, and I'm like, no, the right decision. And it wasn't easy. And uh, I'm grateful that you guys took care of business the way you should have and thankful, and we will be together again soon. Well, you know, uh, we never touched on uh, your time as commissioner. Um, but the, uh, you know, that was, that was a, a brutal five days. It turns out, it was totally out of our hands. Whatever we decided, it wasn't going to matter because it was going to be taken away. Um, true. But during the process, it it was uh, such an incredible weight. And, I, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, maybe next time we talk to you, we'll talk to you about uh, your time as commissioner and uh, if you ever, uh, what you remember as your biggest challenge at doing that, et cetera. Um, we certainly appreciate the time you spent at the helm. 
uh, keeping everything going there, not just for the, you know, you do this for USA, but just for the league here, um, you know, we got 45 ish teams and, uh, I know you've had an influence on, uh, probably every single one of them. So thanks for being with us. I appreciate that. It's, uh, those were, uh, incredible times and, you know, it's, you served as, a as our commissioner and you get it. I mean, uh, you're never going to be able to please everyone. And sometimes you're not even going to be able to please anyone. Uh, I, I totally understand that, that position that you're in. And um, the thing that I would just say back is it's like uh, for us as, as you know, a league, um, it's, it's one of the biggest, uh, I don't know the word bonus or, it's one of our jewels, one of our crown jewels is, you know, that we have such an incredible, talented league uh, that, you know, from an international side, we're able to draw from. Uh, because, I mean, we have people that come from all over the world to play. And that's a testament to, you know, uh, what we've been able to build over, you know, the 30 years of, of rugby. And, Everyone sitting on this call is playing part of that, and uh, you know it's it, it doesn't go unnoticed by a long shot because you know people. Well, I've said it earlier. It's like you know our strength for Team USA isn't one dominant player. It's it's the team. Well, that team is built around the league that uh, you know has fed those athletes in, and uh, and that didn't happen by accident either. So I appreciate. As a, as a former board member, as a commissioner, president, team rep, coach, I appreciate everything that you do for everything uh, for, for all of us because, uh, yeah, there's not a line of people that are waiting to run up and, hey, I, I've, got the, I've got the flag next, and it's, it's, it's sometimes very thankless. So There's definitely no line. <laughs> I, I understand. And by the way, you are on the long list of people that I want to apologize to apology for because I got there. I wasn't able to answer as many calls as I did. I mean, the, the number of people that called me during that span of five days, and I'm sure every board member got calls like this um, as we tried to wade through this. Um, uh, but I never did call you back, and I'm sorry for that. But it's been but crazy. It, it was the right decision. I mean, well, the, the whole thing was it was. It was the right decision. I, I mean, I, we had camp three weeks ago, and, uh, you know, we went. If that camp would have been two or three days later, we wouldn't have had that camp. Right. You know, it was it was just like at that timing. And so I, I drove to Alabama from Texas to that camp. The whole way home, I was just like, everything that we know, because I was, it was a Sunday we were driving home, and then Monday, you know, all these announcements started. I was like, "There's no way they're going to be able to do anything." You know, I mean, there's just no way. And uh, you know, as challenging as it is, it's, it's. I mean, the first thing that we're we're charged with is do no harm to someone, and uh, I, I can't I can't imagine bringing sixteen teams full of compromised people to Rockford, Illinois, and then going, hey, uh, nothing bad could happen here. You know, and it's, um, 
it's already crippled. What could happen? Come on. Exactly. <laughs> you know. it, it, but I mean, the, the, the We're part of that is like nobody wants to be the responsible one to say that, but um, it definitely was the right choice for sure. Thank you for saying that. Well, in hindsight, it's it's a no-brainer. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, well, if they'd come out with you know like the answer to all this, you know, like last week, you know, yeah. But uh, it, at that moment, it was certainly the right choice, and uh, you know, all of us are dealing with the the ramifications, not just on the rugby court, but you know, in our real world. I mean. Look at so many of our, our athletes that, you know, um, they're not, they're, they're living day to day sometimes. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've made more than one call going, have you got enough catheters? Yeah. Have you, are you, you got food? You know, do you need, I'm not, I, I'll send it to you. But I mean, because yeah. so many of our, our guys and gals, you know, are day to day and uh, it's by no fault of anybody's and they're in this they're in this situation. And so that's kind of like the where, where we talk about rugby community is like being able to to just say, OK, you need a hand right now. I've got two years worth of catheters. They're going to be 16s. <laughs> You're not going to like them, but. <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna be sterile and new, you know, and it's like they're on the way, you know. So, gosh darn the fire hose. <laughs> and if you have any with Alzheimer's, come on over to my house. I gotta check out. Talk to you later. Thanks. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Coach. Again, yeah. Thanks, appreciate Coach. having you out. Y'all are welcome. We'll meet you again soon. Okay. Y'all have a good night. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you.